I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. Sheena Quick is my guest today. She covers the Panthers for Fox Sports, 1340 AM. Sheena, how are you? I'm good. I've, I've gotten rid of all the hustle and bustle that is Christmas Eve, so I'm doing great. How are you? Good. You got all your Christmas shopping done. You're ready for the big day tomorrow? Everything's done, like grocery shopping, Christmas shopping. Everything's done. <laughs> uh, and I know the other day was a big day for you. Your wolf pack knocked down UNC. Is that right? <laughs> uh? That's always a good time. Anytime that NC State beats Carolina in anything, it's an excellent day for me. And we have one of your Wolfpack on the team. Uh, Smith Williams is playing fairly well towards the end of the season. They, uh, oh yeah, NC State fans were high on him, right? He just didn't. He had a problem staying healthy. Yeah, yeah. Very uh, high on him. I'm curious, Gina. What was we now that Ron Rivera's in Washington? What was the fans' feelings about his departure and maybe his time there in, in uh, Carolina? Um, as a man, everyone loved Ron Rivera. They loved the, the Rivera family. They're very rooted in the community. I know personally speaking myself, he was very, very, um, I'm trying to find the right words to use. He's very encouraging. He liked to, he, he was a stickler for diversity and giving women an opportunity to get equal footing in the league. So for that, you know, everyone appreciated and, and definitely, you know, missed him and his family when they left. Now, from a football standpoint, a lot of the fans felt like Ron was to blame for Cam's injury, being that they felt the team did not invest adequately in the offensive line, even though Ron isn't the be all, the, the be all end all when it comes to that. You know, you have a GM, you have an owner, everybody has to be on the same accord. But a lot of people felt like he mishandled Cam Newton during his time. So one of the um, one of the ongoing Twitter jokes was he always said that there were missed opportunities as they were losing these close games. You know, they had a six and seven game losing streak two seasons in a row where they were losing a majority of those games by a possession or less. But Ron is gone and the Carolina Panthers are still losing all these games by one possession or less. They're 0-8 on game-winning or game-tying drives. So, you know, now everybody knows that hindsight is 20-20. Everyone's looking back now like, well, man, well, was it this or was it that? I mean, at this point, it seems to be the culture, and the Panthers have to relearn how to win. So I think that just the fact that there are some of the same issues going on and Ron isn't there, people are less inclined to blame him the way that they were when he was the head coach here in Carolina. Sure. And it's interesting because I doing my research, I noticed that uh, Carolina has played in a bunch of those close games this year uh, where they could have gone either way. Now, Ron has been given a bigger role here in Washington, a, a coach centric um, philosophy, if you will, Uh, He has talked about bringing in a GM, although he won't talk about it much now since we're in the playoff hunt. Uh, But, of course, Marty Honey's name will come up. Curious your thoughts on him and um, what you think there. Um, 
I think Marty is great at evaluating college talent. Sometimes that pans out. Sometimes it does not. You know, sometimes he hits a slam dunk. Jeremy Chin this year, slam dunk. But then sometimes you get, we don't really know what Greg Little has to offer just yet. We know that he was a second round draft pick. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. He has not lived up to the expectations. So when you're in that GM role, it's very enviable role because the fate of the franchise kind of falls on your shoulders. And a lot of people were shocked that Marty was not let go at the same time as Ron Rivera. Right. And I talked about this a little bit earlier on my um, quick blitz podcast when we were recording and um, at the end of the day, Marty Herney was used as a bridge this season. I think that in the back of his mind, he kind of knew that he that his days were numbered in Carolina. And David Tepper, when speaking with the media earlier this week, he used the phrase, um, sometime the student, the student has to graduate sometimes, meaning that he, as a new owner in the NFL, Matt Rule, as a brand spanking new NFL coach, they needed Marty Herney. They couldn't do a complete overhaul. They needed someone that already knew the franchise, that already knew how things go, and that he was kind of the bridge, kind of like I feel like Teddy Bridgewater is at quarterback. Now, kind of I was the, a the huge band-aid. fan of Rule and the job he did in college. How have you found his transition to the NFL? I actually like Matt Rule. Now, my concerns at first, you know, he gives the greatest motivational speeches. And I'm like, is this all smoke and mirrors? Because it's one thing to like rile up a bunch of college kids that are trying to get to the next level. It's a totally different ball game when you're talking to grown men making millions of dollars and this is how they feed their families. So I think that he has transitioned very well. He has the respect and trust of his players. Um, he has those rookies playing lights out. That's that's very admirable. Going into the season, when you looked on the on the defensive side of the roster, you're like, going to be a lot of 50-point games going on here. But that's been the most solid unit. So right. I think that he definitely should be commended. I think he's done a great job, you know, and it's just one of those things where he has to get ready to shift the culture. Uh, it sounds like no McCaffrey on Sunday. Sounds like no Burns. Well, he McCaffrey hasn't officially been ruled out, but he's sure. it's highly doubtful that he's going to play. He honestly, in my opinion, should not play anymore this season. There's only two more games. They have nothing to, to gain from winning those games. They have nothing to gain from putting him back on the field and risking a fourth injury. He's had three different injuries this season that have kept yeah. him, has kept him out. But um, Phil Snow did say definitively that there is no Brian Burns. So he actually may be done for the season. I don't want to jump the gun there, but sure. he will not be playing Sunday at Washington. Uh, big loss for you guys. I'm extremely Huge impressed loss. by Brian Burns. Huge loss. He's had a rough week. You know, the knee injury, he got the Pro Bowl snub, which, you know, I still feel like he, if he were on a different team, it might be a different conversation. But because the Carolina Panthers are not winning, you know, he, he was definitely snubbed if you look at the numbers. Uh, what else uh, will the Panthers be missing on Sunday? How's the rest of the injury report look? I know it's early in the week. Um, any, any other significant uh, players out? Well, Russell Okung um, did not practice yesterday due to a calf muscle. He's missed time also on that offensive line. Um, Troy Pride Jr. was out with, I want to say, a hip. He Well, he, he didn't practice yesterday. We get the updated um, practice or injury report in about, about an hour. So right now there's no Brian Burns. Um, Okung didn't practice. Pride Jr. did not practice. And 
while Brian Burns is the biggest loss going into Sunday, Troy Pride is also a significant loss because there's not a lot of, of cornerback depth. You, know, you have Rasul Douglas, who, in my opinion, he did not play well um, against the Broncos, gave up two really, really big, big catches, one for a touchdown at least. Um, Dante Jackson, he struggled to, to stay healthy. He did play through the last game at Green Bay, and he made it all the way through the game against the Broncos, but he's had that nagging toe injury that could that could flare up at any point in time. And the other cornerbacks you have – Pride Jr., who may be out. He's a rookie. You have Stantley Oliver Thomas, or Thomas Oliver. He's a rookie. He's played very sparingly. And then you have Cornelder, who has basically kind of been used in the nickel package. That's kind of where they like to play him. So Pride Jr. could end up being a, a significant loss if he's not able to go on Sunday. They just are too, too thin at that cornerback position. How is the big... Uh, defensive tackle from Auburn played the uh, they, was he Derek Brown second year in the league now no this is his first year this is rookie year um he notched his first yeah, sack first two years ago, yeah. yeah he got his sec his first sack um of the season a couple weeks ago but sometimes those things don't show up in the stats I think that they have been getting great pressure on the quarterback as of late and they're going to have to do that on Sunday whoever is under center for for Washington uh, at TBD uh, for Sunday. Yeah, because you guys got some drama. You guys got some drama in the DMV. What? 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 What else would you expect in uh, the nation <laughs> capital? A little uh, something. Absolutely. The playoff push. Uh, who calls the defense for uh, the team? Rule is a defensive guy himself. Yes. Uh, does he do that, or does he like playing the role of the surveyor of the team, if you will? Well, he's given um, Phil Snow and Joe Brady, you know, that those roles um, for a reason. And so Phil Snow calls the defense. I haven't seen or I had, I don't know of any instance in where rule has had to overrule him. You know that later in Ron's days, Ron was calling the defense and Eric Washington was kind of just lame duck over here at Carolina. But um, rule has trusted them in those in those roles. So Phil Snow does call the defense. Uh, has Rule said anything about, you know, the one thing about when you're a defensive head coach and you have a great offensive coordinator, those guys tend to be in demand. Has he talked about weighing what you do with a guy like Joe Brady, who was such success in college, and if they can get it together in Carolina, um, you know, may have his services looked for elsewhere? Well, being that they are in the midst of of a, a losing season, you know, there hasn't been really much talk about that. Um, no rule hasn't talked about it. Joe Brady was asked a couple of times and he said that he honestly has not even thought about it. His name has been kind of thrown around, which I think is premature. I think it's premature. I think he needs a, a little bit more, more experience, but um, he said himself that no, he's not thinking about that because it would be unfair to his current players for him to be, you know, I guess allocating any amount of mental energy towards anything other than getting this train on the right track here at Carolina and getting some wins. Teddy Bridgewater signed a one-year deal? Three. Right? He signed a three-year deal. We oh, signed a three-year deal. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. But this is the NFL. You know, that does not matter. No, it doesn't. And I can't That does not that, matter. Uh, <laughs> Panthers are drafting top 10. They're not looking at quarterback. I can't imagine that. 
You can't imagine that they would look at a quarterback? They would not be looking at quarterback. Oh, okay. Yeah, a, I was going to say uh, quarterback, right? In the top 10. Yeah, because Tepper did not get a give a vote of confidence to Bridgewater on that call on Tuesday. And I think that is very important. The words he used were that you have to win Super Bowls. And if you don't have a quarterback that's winning you Super Bowls, then there's a constant evaluation at that position. Meaning if you don't win, we're going to always be looking for your replacement. <laughs> So, um, and wins are most important, but I'm curious your thoughts on how Bridgewater has played because, frankly, I think he can play. Uh, the wins are what's most important. I certainly understand that. Well, I think that for a player with his experience, some of the errors that are costing, uh, and, and of course, you, you can't say it's, it's, it's very rare that one play determines an entire game. What's unfortunate for Teddy is people remember what happened last. If you have the ball eight times with the chance, you know, in a game winning drive and has, you have a very realistic chance of tying or winning these games and you're coming up short, whether you're taking a 15 yard sack and, and knocking the team out of field goal position or missing a wide open receiver in the end zone, like you saw in Minnesota, um, you know, at Denver calling, running the play before the two minute warning. Then, you know, you had last week, he reached the ball over the goal line and fumbled on first and goal. When you have those type of glaring mistakes, it's easy for people to say, oh, he's losing us these games. That's not necessarily always the case, but I will say when it comes to Minnesota, I think that that was the most glaring game because there's no way they should have lost that game. Defense gave them everything they could. Defense outscored the offense that day as far as touchdowns. Jeremy Chin had the two defensive touchdowns within 10 seconds, which is an NFL record. And you, they, they muffed the punt. The Vikings muffed the punt. You get the ball inside the 10 yard line. Yeah. With a little over two minutes left, settle for a field goal. You can't, you can't get into red zone issues have been rampant. They're not slowing down for some reason. And um, you settle for the field goal and you get, you only take 10 to 15 seconds off the clock. You can't give Kirk Cousins or any other quarterback in this league that kind of time and people will point at the defense and say well you know they drove the length of the field they should have never been in that position right so that that's that's the unfortunate thing for teddy and then you're following cam newton so you already had a fan base you had to win over and the best way to win over a fan base is to win games yeah. and that just has not happened yeah so, you know, the fans in Washington are uh, drooling about the idea that Samuels will join them when they when he leaves Carolina. There's no way they let him out of Carolina, is there? Stranger things have happened. He hasn't been extended. Well, that's true. He hasn't been extended. And I said prior to this season, this needed to be the Curtis Samuel coming out season. We know what he's capable of. We know the potential. But I think that behind Christian McCaffrey. A lot of people forgot that Curtis Samuel came in with the same kind of skill set as Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey. They come out, they can come out of the backfield. They have soft hands. They can run routes. He just hadn't been used to his full capacity until this year when Christian went out. He's become more one of the more reliable receivers. Had a couple drops last week, but for the most part, he's had a pretty consistent season. I think he makes a good case for himself to get paid, whether that's here in Carolina or whether that's elsewhere. Oh, I can't imagine he's not going to get paid. For sure. well, he's definitely going to get paid. It just, it just remains to be seen by who. You know, the Carolina let some some pretty big free agents go last season, and Mario Addison and James Bradbury. 
James Bradbury is now a Pro Bowl, a Pro Bowl cornerback mm-hmm. for the first time in his career. Addison is part of that Bills defense that have them, you know, rolling. So we'll see. <laughs> it, it was it was odd to me when uh, Rivera passed on Bradbury uh, because Washington had some some needs at uh, cornerback. I, I thought that was surprised. They got along well in Carolina, didn't they? They got along well um, for James. James really wanted to stay in Carolina. That's why I say when I say they let some some big names go, they let the big names go because he would have rather have stayed in Carolina. But at the end of the day, this is the league and you have to kind of get the game before the game gets you. And it's paid out. It's paid off for him, you know. Yeah. Now, I flirted with the, the sexy idea of a certain quarterback that's on a one year deal that's not playing he doesn't have any it's any good he doesn't have good results right now but with Haskins the Haskins fiasco in Washington I flirted with the idea of maybe a reconciliation or a, re, a reunion of sorts between you know Ron Rivera and you know Cameron Jarrell Newton yeah I was surprised by that if they, they didn't even seem to take a look now Ron has said that he would prefer somebody that sits in the pocket a little bit more. It surprises me because the league is going totally the other direction. Yeah, it definitely is. The things that everybody used to scream at Cam Newton for, you know, you're applauding the the, the Josh Allens that can run. You're, appa- you're applauding, you know, the Lamar Jacksons, the Kyler Murrays, those guys that can get outside of the box and make things happen and, you know, look downfield at the same time. They can make plays with their legs. They can extend drives, you know, that's interesting, but also because you st- start in the league with a certain play or style of play does not mean that you keep that throughout your career. You know, players get older. Cam has taken a beating. He may become more of a pocket passer later. I don't think he will just be purely a pocket passer. I think he'll always still have that threat to, to, to hurt you with his legs. But I wasn't surprised that Ron didn't take him in Washington right away. I was not surprised. Do you think, do you think the shoulders bad you think that's more why Ron passed because in fairness to Ron he hadn't played well in New England I don't think that's why I think more so Ron had he's going into a new a whole new a whole new um franchise a whole new base he can't go in and completely blow everything up you know Dwayne Haskins was only what a draft away Sure. You guys took him at number 15 in what was it, the 2019 draft. So he was still very young. And I don't think Ron wanted to rock the boat in that way. I think he wanted to give the young quarterback a chance. Well, and, and to your point, I mean, Haskins was good at a captain and had the great offseason. Yeah. And everybody was very excited make, about what was Yeah, it didn't up. make any sense. It, it wouldn't have made sense. It wouldn't have made football sense for him to take Cam into that situation, in my opinion. Sheena, what's the best Christmas movie of all time? National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. <laughs> I know it word for word. I mean, there's some great Christmas movies out there, but I, I, that's that's got to be my favorite. And what is go to for Christmas dinner? Is it a big uh, is it a big Christmas Eve dinner at your house or a big Christmas Day dinner at your house? Um, it's a big Christmas Day dinner, and because of COVID, it's just myself and and my three boys. So I cooked way too much food on Thanksgiving. So I. I half that menu (laughs) there's a lot of baking on christmas eve like lots of treats and things like that but for the most part i'm trying to get the four-year-old to sleep because he's the only one that still believes in santa Mm. but um yeah the the teenagers are like oh yeah 
we haven't believed him since we were five. We were just going along with it for you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> but yeah, so it'll be um, a medium, small slash medium type of Christmas dinner here at the Quick Davis household. Excellent. Sheena Quick, thank you so much for giving us some time today. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Thanks for having me. Same to you. Yes, this was great. Thank you. Thank you. Oops. Thank you, brother.